0: This is Lindsay Garl. I race slingshots, and you're listening to the Four Wide Salute Podcast. Well, hello, everybody out there in podcast world. I am your host, Casey, back once again for another episode of the Four Wide Salute podcast. First and foremost, I would like to make note that for some reason I missed the results from Williams Grove last week. How I did that, I have no idea. With uh, Justin Whittle picking up his 1st four ten win. So uh, my apologies to you Sprint Car fans out there. I have no idea how I missed the Williams Grove results. Uh, On to some sad news. Again, unfortunately, it seems like this is a trend. It needs to stop. Uh, The Black Bandit, Steve Smith, passed away earlier this week. Condolences going out to uh, his friends, family, and of course the fans. Uh, He was inducted in the Sprint Car Hall of Fame in 2009 track championships and over 150 wins at Lincoln Speedway alone. And he was also a three-time winner of the Natty Open. Barshinger's number 24 sprint car has found its next driver. TJ Stutz will be named the driver and in the car for the remainder of the year. This will make the third different driver, not including Lucas Wolfe. That was still technically a thing as of the first of the year. Hope they uh, get settled in. He did run this car previously, so hopefully that's you know something to work off of. But I uh, hope they get their uh, stuff together and we see that car back out consistently. The Tim Hogue-owned number 39 wingless 410 Sprint car found its driver for Eastern Storm, which is coming up in just two days. And that is the Throttle. Shane Cottle will be uh, coming eastbound. Can't wait to see uh, Cottle in action. So on to our results. A lot of stuff happening all over the place. So let's start with last Sunday. There were some events that ran after my episode dropped. All-stars were at Angel Park Speedway in Wisconsin for the end of their four-day stint in that region and Bill Baylog, North Pole Nightmare, getting two wins in a row. He picked up the win that Saturday, and then again Sunday. USAC Midgets, Indiana Midget Week. They were at Tri-State, otherwise known as Hobstot, or as Wikipedia states, the owner of the facility is Kyle Cummins, in which Kyle Cummins swept the night, picked up the win in the Midget, and also picked up the win in the MSCS feature with the uh, wingless 410. Yeah, it is going to be renamed to Cummins Speedway. I have a feeling Anytime now. Western PA Speed Week finale at Tri-City Raceway Park was won by Bradley Howard. This may have been his first four-time win as well. Uh, Ryan Smith, they get third, which sealed up his Speedweek Championship. So uh hats off to a PA Posse boy picking up the Western PA Speed Week Championship. Brush Creek Motorsports Complex ran the Jackie Boggs Memorial. Uh neat facility for what I was able to watch on flow. Tyler Herb. Had on the coal trickle paint scheme, and him and Billy Moyer Jr. were duking out a little bit early on in that one. But Turbo just he was in another league, and uh, he ran away with that victory. Tuesday night, short track super series, big diamond speedway, anthracite assault. Unfortunately, was rained out by Mother Nature. It is what it is, folks. Mother Nature does not like us up in the coal region. Let's hope, uh, maybe we should buy her flowers or. I don't know, an edible arrangement or something because she needs it. Wednesday, Action Track USA over here in Kutztown did get rained out as well. But USAC Midgets, again, Indiana Midget Week, was at Circle City Raceway for the first time in Indianapolis. And first-time winner, Corey Day, picking up the win in the 47 BC car. Eldora Speedway had night number one of the 27th annual dream. It was their prelim night. Ran double features, uh, split the field in half. Feature number one went to Big Sexy Brandon Overton, or as we are now calling him, Slim Sexy. And feature number two went to Superman Jonathan Davenport. Honestly, after watching what Wednesday's night, it, it's going to come down to, which I'll get to the results for the next three nights, of course, but at that point in time, it was going to be the Davenport-Overton show. I think Davenport was the guy going in that everyone was putting their money on. Thursday, USAC Midgets again. Lincoln Park Speedway, Putnamville for, uh, I believe this would have been night number six of Indiana Midget Week. And Tanner Thorson picking up the win at this point in time, six nights in a row. They had a different winner each night for Midget Week. Also a different team won six nights in a row. That's awesome. Eldora Speedway ran the 27th annual dream. Big Sexy, Slim Sexy, Brandon Overton picking up the win. So uh, at that point in time, Overton had won 10,000 on Wednesday, won 127,000 on Thursday. So let's keep doing the math, folks. That's, uh, That's a lot. That's a lot. On to the weekend stuff. So let's continue with the Midget Week piece and then Eldora since we're on that roll. Midgets, Friday night, we're at Gas City and I 69 Speedway. Buddy Kofoid, first repeat winner of Midget Week. Keith Coons, first repeat owner to win at Midget Week this year. Saturday, they were at Kokomo for the finale. Chris Windham picked up the win there. And Buddy Kofoy was named your Midget Week champion. Eldora, 26th annual dream. So Wednesday, Thursday was 27th. Friday, Saturday was the 26th. Prelim night, Friday night. Feature number one, Brandon Overton. Again, $10,000 again in his pocket. Feature number two went to... uh, I'm going to call him a hometown guy. He's a PA boy. The Truth Greg Satterley picked up the victory on a late restart. Got around Shannon Babb. I think Babb may have spun his tires on the restart. And uh, Satterly ran away with feature number two. First time in victory lane for Satterly at Eldora. And then, of course, last night was the running of the 26th annual dream. $126,000 to the winner. You guessed it, folks. Big sexy, slim sexy Brandon. Overton walked away with just the first place prizes over four nights with two hundred and seventy three thousand dollars. Folks, this is what it's all about over a quarter of a million dollars to Brandon Overton and the Wells team. And this is what's gonna happen come King's World. Kings World, you're gonna have the same thing. They're paying $175 each time to win. So right there's three hundred and fifty thousand. I don't know whether they're paying prelim nights or how they're working that. But again, a lot of money up for grabs. So on to the rest of our weekend stuff here for the national guys. Outlaw sprints were at Knoxville for a two day show for the Brownells big gun bash. And a sweep of the weekend for the JJR number 41 Carson Macedo picking up the wind Friday and Saturday night. All stars kicked off Ohio Sprint Speed Week. It's like nine days of racing. Friday night, they were at Attica, which saw Ian Madsen take home the check. And Saturday night, they were at Fremont. Danny Dietrich led the thing from the pole up and until the last lap. Did get passed by Cole Duncan for the win. Ultimate super late model series last night was supposed to be at Friendship Motor Speedway in North Carolina. They canceled that portion of the show due to impending weather. On to the local stuff. So Friday, Pennsylvania kind of got kicked in the teeth here. Big Diamond, we rained out. You know, it it may have showed on the radar that there was no rain. Sadly mistaken, it did not stop misting, drizzling, annoying rain until about 10 o'clock Friday night. So we rained out up at Big Diamond. Williams Grove rained out. Bedford rained out. But Penn Can did manage to run. So I guess being up in that. Southern tier area paid off. Modified winner at Pen Can was Brian Malcolm. And the Patriot Sprint Tour was in town from New York. And that went to the Cobra, Chuck Hebing, with the victory there. Your New York tracks, all modified results here, guys. Accord went to Danny Creeden. Charged late in that one to get around the leader, picking up the win there. Afton went to Dennis Clapperton. Albany Saratoga, back-to-back wins for Kenny Tremont. Ransomville, Eric Rudolph got his third win of the year at Ransomville. Utica Rome, Matt Shepard held off Andy Biketti late in that one. That was a good duke out. Go check out the highlights there. Outlaw went to Kyle Coffey. I think that's his second of the year there. Can-Am did rain out. And Burden, Tim Sears Jr. On to yesterday, Saturday, Grandview. Danny Buck picked up the win in the Modifieds at Grandview. His second win of the year. Kyle Lillick in the Open Sportsman, and then Dylan Hoke in the 602 Crate Series picked up the win. Hats off to a personal friend of mine, Brian Blankenbiller. Only his second time out in a crate car for competition. Started on the pole of the heat. Won the heat race. Started on the pole of the feature. Led the first six or seven laps until so Hoke got around him. And then... He held on to second for quite some time, and then Libby got around him late in that one. Blankenbiller did hold on for the podium, had to go to Tech. I've never seen a guy happier losing two spots <laughs> from start to finish, but he was happier than a pig in shit. So uh, Team AARP, as he likes to call it, he's definitely, um, I-, I believe he's a card holder and a midlife crisis with a 600 modified turned into now a 602 crate, and uh, him and his buddy Craig Ramich they're having fun, and uh, once again, hats off to him. Bridgeport, Matty Ice, Matt Stangle. Uh, the news came out this past week that he will be piloting the Danny's Pizza Pizzazz, Danny's sumbling Own number 51 modified in the next few weeks to come. I guess I'll be running that at Bridgeport and some Short Track Super Series shows. Was still in his car last night at Bridgeport. Wanted to pick up a victory for his parents before he hopped in the other ride and did so last night. And then finally, Steve Kemmery found victory lane in the 602 crates center in Bridgeport. He's been having a heck of a go at it lately and uh, back in victory lane for the defending champ. New Egypt, the wingless sprints. Victory went to Rich Miller. The crates went to Justin Grosso and in the open sportsman, Justin Grosso again. So, two time winner last night. Modifieds were off. Uh, US 13 down at Delaware International. They ended up being canceled due to overnight rain. Lincoln had 410s and 358s. 410 victory went to Freddie Raymer. And 358s went to Brett Wanner. So, congrats to those guys. Port Royal had 410s. Uh, Jeff Halligan with the victory. I guess a little bounce back from being out of the Barshinger ride back in his ride. And boom, he's in victory lane. Super late model victory went to Austin Berry. Congrats to Austin. That may be a first. And past 305, victory went to Derek Hawk. Seelands Grove had the Patriots print tour in town for 360 action. And Ryan Taylor picking up the win there. Orange County, big block modifieds. Matt Shepard picked up the win again, which now knocks one more person out of the playoff system for their 25 grand to win point title interesting format uh, pay attention to that it, it, it gets uh it's gonna get intriguing as it goes on the rest of your winners in new york fonda mike mahaney in victory lane there thunder mountain dirt car 358s went to tom eichler and the open modifies second win of the year for alan barker woodhall saw braden mills braden bills in victory lane excuse me fulton Tim Sears Jr., back-to-back nights. Bruton Fulton, he pulled a Ronnie Davis on us. Picked up the wins on Friday and Saturday at the uh, co-owned tracks. Lebanon Valley, big block win, went to Ryan Darcy. First win there. And small block victory went to Olden Dwyer. Land of Legends saw the living legend himself, Alan Johnson, back in victory lane. God, this guy's just going to keep winning. He's going to hit 50 years with consistently winning. It's great. Five-mile point. Justin Holland, I believe this is his first victory since he won the Short Track Super Nationals back in 2012. This was his first win in nine years, so the math is good. Uh, and an interesting thing I saw in their results, they had third and fourth as a tie. Brian Malcolm and Danny Creedon as a tie. Folks, in this game with transponders now picking up live timing, you're not using your eye. For guys to be exactly identical at the stripe is rare. And I thought that was fascinating. I really did. For someone who looks at a transponder every week and pays attention to the scoring, you just don't see it. You just don't see it. So on to tonight's events. Action Track USA is hosting. They, they have now framed this The Impossible 410 sprint cars at Kutztown, Action Track USA. I got to see it. I got to see it. I don't know what to expect. I want to see it. Hopefully, Mother Nature stays away. Last I checked, forecast right around 9 o'clock was lingering. So uh, they are prepping. They did push forward with social media today that they are running. So let's hope they get the show in. 600 micros are also on the card. Bloomsburg Fairgrounds has their first race tonight. I believe it's free to the public. Don't quote me on that. ARDC Midgets are in there, as well as the Winged 600s. And then Weed Sport has a Crate 75 lap feature tonight, along with Big Block Modifies. I will have all those results for you guys next week, as uh, I plan on being at Town. So I do know our upcoming schedule. So, again, I like to just cover the big stuff here. Um, Go to your local track, social media websites for all their schedules. But World Outlaw Sprints Thursday are at 34 Raceway in Iowa. Friday at Dubuque Fairgrounds in Iowa. And Saturday, the Jim Boy Memorial at Beaver Dam Raceway. I personally just don't like when they go back to Beaver Dam. We all know what happened there the other year uh, with Jason Johnson. It's just, I don't know, it. it, it lingers in my head. Uh, it's still an eerie sight because I believe they never replaced that billboard. So it is covered. You know exactly where everything took place. All stars are going to run Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, six straight days of Ohio Sprint Speed Week. Monday, Wayne County, Tuesday at Sharon, Wednesday at Waynesfield Raceway Park, Thursday, Muskegon, Friday, Land. And Saturday, the Dean Nettle Memorial for $17,054 to win at Portsmouth Raceway Park. All of those are on Flow. All your Outlaw Sprints are on Dirt Vision. Check them out. You sack Eastern Storm, folks, is here. I know Whippy is rolling around, tossing and turning, can't sleep, can't sit down. He's probably shaking. Eastern Storm, folks, is here in two days. I'm on vacation. I'll be attending this. You can't miss it. USAC Sprints, Tuesday, Grandview, Wednesday, Bridgeport Motorsports Park. Those two days are also run with modifieds for those uh big block or small block heads out there. Thursday at Sealand's Grove. I'm not sure what the supporting class is, if there is one. Friday, they are off. I think they just scheduled it that way, so I didn't have to miss a race because I got to be a diamond. Maybe that's it. But USAC Silver Crown is running a race at Williams Grove at night. So for those of you guys with your USAC fix, Silver Crown will be at the Grove Friday. Saturday, they are at Port Royal. And Sunday, their finale at Bloomsburg Fairgrounds. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Lucas Oil Late Models Thursday through Saturday are at Magnolia Motor Speedway in Mississippi for the Clash at the Mag. World of Outlaw Late Models are coming our way this weekend. Thursday at State Line Speedway in New York. Friday is the 11th annual Connor Bobick Memorial at Thunder Mountain Speedway. That's Pennsylvania Thunder Mountain, not New York. And Saturday, where I will be, I can't miss my late models, guys. I I think you guys have figured it out. I just like them. I do. Late model National Open Sealings Grove Speedway on Saturday. Be there or be square. That's all the, uh, results and upcoming stuff I have for you guys. Woo. It's a lot, isn't it? It's going to be this way through October. Glad you guys are enjoying it. I know I sure am. But, uh, on to usual business, share the podcast, like the page, like the post, five star ratings on your platforms that you're listening to this, this show. Our upcoming guest today is an interesting character. I did not know Charlie Langenstein up until a mutual friend of ours, Kenny Bruce, brought him up to my attention. Charlie Langenstein was a little bit before my time. Uh, Notable wrench for the statewide three team with Jimmy Horton. Also wrench for Brett Hearn through uh, a little bit of his heyday. Charlie's a, a good brain, knows his stuff. Moved on to the NASCAR world in the 90s and ended up working with Hendrick Motorsports through the Jimmy Johnson era. He was a part of that team um, when Jimmy was winning five years in a row. You know, uh, is inducted in Dirt Motorsports Hall of Fame. He received the prestigious uh, in-house Hendrick Award, which is awesome as can be uh charlie has a lot of stuff on his mind and stuff to go through with this episode and i hope you guys enjoy it learn a little bit about you know the guy behind Hearn back in the day or the guy behind horton when he was winning a lot and uh you know you'll see that you don't just have to be a driver in this industry to make it somewhere someday you know like a christopher bell or like a kyle larson a guy like charlie langenstein shows you don't have to be a driver you can be a wrench, a really good one, and progress yourself to where you're the shop director of Hendrick Motorsports, while that number forty eights is winning titles left and right. It's a, it's a fascinating story. But well, hope you guys all enjoy it. Next week's episode I'm recording on Monday night. Cannot wait for this one, guys. This is uh one of the guys on my on my bucket list. I gotta say, as far as uh, history goes, and what he's going to have to say. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You're going to have to wait till next week as always, but you guys will enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode. And until next time, I will see you guys later. Bill Brown and company located in Hamilton, New Jersey has been in the printing and promotional products business since 1946. Current owner and proud dirt track supporter, Ken Bruce has been with the company since 1987 and has continued to deliver the customer service that Bill Brown & Company has delivered since the beginning. Kenny supports Dirt Track Racing through the sponsorship of the Number 11 Modified, driven by Danny Heber, along with sponsorship of bonuses of Big Diamond Speedway and the Short Track Super Series, and is proud to be a sponsor of the 4 Wide Salute Podcast. You can reach Bill Brown & Company at 609-586-1408 or by email at kbruce at billbrowninc.com. You can also check out the promotional products on the website at www.billbrowninc.com. On this week's episode of the 4 Wide Sloop Podcast, we have legendary Wrench, uh, crew chief formerly for Brett Hearn and Jimmy Horton, as well as a few others, And is now the shop foreman and mechanical director for Starcom Racing in the NASCAR circuit, Charlie Lankestein. How's it going today, Charlie?
1: Hey, guys. How y'all doing tonight?
0: So uh, I unfortunately haven't heard of you until Mr. Kenny Bruce, our mutual friend, brought to my attention. And uh, after reading up on your history and especially on the dirt side of things, you had quite the impact. Uh, I think you were around a little bit before my time. Um, but what, uh, you know, let's get started with how you ended up getting started in the whole racing scene back in the day.
1: Well, you know, it's, uh, I was born in, uh, New Jersey and my dad used to race, a um, Atlantic city speedway in Pleasantville and finally and Echo and stuff like that. So I kind of grew up around the racing and then, uh, I, I moved, uh, to Delaware, um, uh, like second grade on. And then, uh. Just, you know, my dad, when, when he quit racing, um, he kind of just tinkered work, you know, helping guys on cars and stuff like that. So, um, and I always hung out with him. So, it, it just got to be a situation where, I, you know, I uh, just worked on race cars and, and learned at a young age. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be a race car driver. And uh, my theory was to be a good race car driver, you should know what the heck's going on with the race car. So, I took that approach for a while. And I did drive some stuff. But, um, uh, and, and it was semi-successful. I mean, it was nothing. But, you know, I, I, I drove a little about. Just about everything, just about everywhere. But it got to the situation where I was more uh, out there testing stuff for people and trying stuff and, and uh, getting feedback on my own way. Um, and I wish I could have approached it a little different and concentrated more on racing and, uh, um, you know, just trying to be out there and make a, a better mousetrap, you know?
0: Yeah. So when so when you started, um, you know, like who were some of the big, the big guys that you ran up against or that were able to help you and kind of moving you along?
1: Well, first I first started working for a fellow by the name of Larry Voss. Um, he's out of, uh, near Atlantic City, New Jersey. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's won races in, on dirt and asphalt. Uh, you know, it's going back in, uh, you know, in the 60s and 70s. And, uh, I think the latter part of the 70s, he finally retired. But, uh, he had quite a career. He won a little bit of everything everywhere. But then and I kind of, um, uh, I, I, I got hooked up with statewide racing, uh, with, uh, Jimmy Horton. Um, was probably my first, uh, paid gig, uh, right, right about, uh, probably around 74 or 75, like cat And, and, uh, stuck with those guys for quite a long time, you know, was that, and, be- um, was
0: that before or after Kenny Brightbill?
1: Well, Kenny Brightbill, uh, and, uh, and Jimmy, uh, Kenny, Kenny was sponsored by statewide mm-hmm. and Kenny took care of his own stuff up there in sinking Springs. Okay. Um, so they weren't really out of the same shop, but they were uh, sponsored uh, at at one time there together um, with Kenny. And, and uh, uh, see what happened. Gary Blue was driving the, the statewide car, and then he got the, he, he left one, I think over to Ferriola's, the 73 car. And then uh, Jimmy got the, the chance, and he he stayed in a car for quite a while, you know.
0: Yeah, now when so, they, uh, I know they were also, they, they did modified stuff, but then they also tinkered with the spring car, right?
1: Oh, we did everything, man. <laughs> you know, we, um, yeah, we, uh, we did, uh, and Kim was part of that, a lot of that time too. Uh, we, uh, you know, we ran modifieds all all over, like we probably run, uh, back in the day, we ran probably, you know, hundred, 120 shows a year, you know, that's crazy. And man. then, uh, yeah. And then, you know, we'd race, uh, the sprint cars, you know, um, when Jimmy was switching over, you know, he got a ride or two in a sprint car. Um, ERC car, one thing led to another and then they got their own car. And then, um, you know, he got really good at sprint cars and, uh, we did some world outlaw stuff till we ran out of money. And, uh, it's a whole different story. You know, uh, you know what we did there, but, uh, um, and then, um, but yeah, we did quite a bit of everything with the sprint cars. And then they asked, they had an asphalt car that we tinkered with every now and then we go to run new Egypt or something like that wall stadium every now and then, end of the year, stuff like that. And, uh, he picked up a ride every now and then for Trent and stuff like that. But, their uh, their main, uh, their main uh was the modified and the sprint car stuff back to statewide
0: yeah i i noticed now with a lot of the guys uh you know like kenny just had a 50 year anniversary shirt come out not too long ago dwayne howard those guys and when they put all their previous rides on these shirts it's so interesting to look at a lot of those guys didn't always run a modified especially yeah. back in the day like i know kenny ran <clears throat> late models i think dwayne started out in one um, right. You know, it, it's interesting the development of how that works, you know, like a guy like Gary, um, Gary Golub, I just talked oh, to the yeah. other week, you know, he yeah. ran both. Um, yep. you don't see that nowadays. I mean, okay. So well, Kyle Larson ran a couple of late model shows yeah. and he's tinkering with it, but not guys don't do that anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, back in our day there, you know, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, Kenny Brapeau, he ran a sprint car. He, he built his own sprint car too, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, it was, uh, he ran pretty good with it, but, uh, you know, uh, just look back at other modified drivers like Glenn Fitz Charles and Dave Kelly. Yep. You know, those guys are modified icons and, uh, they switched over to sprint cars and you know, now they're in the sprint car hall of fame, you know, in uh, Knoxville. So, you know, their, their careers are great in the modified. and uh, now they, they, you know, they carried their career a lot farther and both of them were badass in the sprint car, you know? Yeah. Um, and Jimmy, Freddie, Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah, all Freddie. Yeah, Freddie's another one. He's the, uh, you know, and Freddie Kerr, you know, there's a handful, but you know, you could go down the whole list, but, uh, Raymer, Raymer's a great example. You know, he'd go to Grandview and win and, and one thing led to another and then he picked up a ride here and there and then, um, you know, uh, took off and, you know, hell, he's, he's a, another, uh, Hall of Famer and great guy. Freddie and I are buddies, you know, um, so, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing if you think back about it, you know, yeah,
0: so, you were working around with uh, with Horton and everything. When did it kind of come to you or the team's realization that you knew your stuff and you were a vital and very big role in the operation of this of this statewide team?
1: Well, it was a situation where you know I was a young kid. You know I started young, and then uh, you know I just I, I applied myself. I tried to tried to do everything and learn everything, and then uh, you know and then. You know, I don't know whether you're, you know it or not, but I, after I left statewide, I was with them for probably um, 12, 13, 14 years. And I, and I actually crew chief Brett Hearn for uh, quite a while. Um, so we won, won a bunch of race with Brett. And uh, um, and at one time or another, I, I, I won races with Doug Hoffman, uh, you know, Kenny Brightville, I won races with him. And one winter, he called me up and I went to, we went rake, late model racing. I mean, I, I pretty much, uh, I got a story with everybody, Tommy Corrales, I won a bunch race races with him, Ken Brennan. Uh, just about everybody in the Northeast, you know, even at, even at the Grandview, uh, Rick, uh, Rick Schaefer, Ray Swinehart, good buddies of mine. They, they drove some cars that, uh, Walt Breeding and I built the Bandit cars. And, um, you know, they were, uh, a, a pretty stout car back in the day and won quite a bit of races. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I worked, I worked for Kegel, won races with him and just about everybody. I mean, it's, uh, you know, was kind of a, you know, I was in the sport and then, uh, I was, I was making a living at it and I, and um, you know, uh when on off season, you know, if, if I had an opportunity I'd you know, go to Florida and do some stuff, build a car or two for Kegel and go race with him and and then uh you know, just did a little bit of everything, you know.
0: And this is back in the day before the cookie cutter type cars, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: mean I mean don't get me wrong, back then it was uh Tobias had Tobias built a great race car. Um, you know, uh John Burnett was building a good car. Uh you know, uh, Kanizel was building a good car, and then you had your New York cars, you know, your swinnings and, and, and stuff like that. And then, uh, then, you know, Nick Slough built a good car, SNS, and, um, uh, I mean, you go on and on and on and on. Um, Jimmy, uh, the cool thing about Jimmy was Jimmy built his own cars there at Statewide. You I know, mean, we had the, we had the wealth cars, and then, um, he built, he built his own cars, and, um, we built them right there in the shop, and that was a damn good design, won a bunch of races like that. But yeah, back then, you know, you, uh, you know, you, you get an Olson car, and, you know, I mean, they're all good cars. You know, back in Delaware, Walt Breeding was built a bunch of good cars, um, but uh, a lot of them are regional, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, they you had your New York cars, and, and one or two might float down. And my car back one time uh, had a swimming car and uh in, in, in Jersey for a little bit. And, uh, you know, ever saw build a good car. I mean, back there was a lot of guys, uh, that, that, that built good race cars and there right. was no such thing as cookie cutters. And then it got to the point where, you know, you go to Olson, you go to Tobias and, yeah, and then, um, and then took all, you know, Tobias was one of the first ones that were really smart. Toby was, you know, he, uh, you know, he had that, he had a, he, he built his own cars, but he had a kit. Yeah. He sold kits. And, uh, that's how Bud Olsen actually got started. He would go and buy a bunch of kits from, uh, from Toby and, uh, and, uh, Bud's, uh, craftsmanship was really, really nice. Not that Toby's wasn't, but, but, you know, but, but had, um, uh, had some ideas that he, in, you know, put into the deal and, and, uh, made his car super nice and changed them up a little bit. And then that's when the Ulsa car, um, took off. But, uh, back then when year are we were, uh, I built a car for me and Walt Brigan built a car for Rick Schaefer and Ray Swinehart. And there was two Bandit cars running Grandview. And, uh, all, uh back then uh, Tobias cars was a real good car to have, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and there was a, there's a lot of nights our cars were run first and second, the bandit car. You know, we run first and second. And, uh, you know, those guys, uh, you know, our car was a little different, the bandit car. Um, but it's a good car back in the day, but you know, it's like, uh, yeah, nowadays, uh, you know, I could go on and on, like this coil thing that's came on. It's real strong. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't, I, I could, I got, I could pretty much without tooting my own horn. Um, uh, I had a design. Walt breeding and i had designed is excellent design that got out and um that's pretty much what everybody's running today is is a uh, is a design that i had and i had a i had a uh a partner a silent partner and i was going to start building the cars down here in, a, in the south and and uh, we had a big business plan and everything's going together uh, i was going to build build some cars a lot of backwards going to drive one for us and a bunch of things like that And uh the design got out, and the the money man got mad, and and uh, it kind of put the guy by stole thing. It kind of made me mad because uh, the coil everything is really taken off, and that was our design, you know. And uh, um, without without getting the whole story out, but uh, um, well, you know,
0: and even so, let's just let's backtrack a little bit. So I, I remember you brought up the name Hearn. So of course, everyone in this world knows who Brett Hearn is and what he's been able to accomplish, even today in his role at Orange County. Um, I, the one fascinating story I did hear about you was that the name Tio actually came from someone in the F1 industry, right?
1: Actually, uh, I was the one who gave Bobby the name Tio, and how it worked out was uh, I was working on Indy cars. I, I did some uh, Indy car racing, too. Um, and if I told you everything I did, I, you know, you think it's 100 years old, but there's a lot of people, <laughs> there's a lot of people in the Northeast that know me, you know, and, right. and, uh, they take a it. Like we talked about Gary and all, I mean, all these guys, Bobby Braxton, a lot these guys are my friends, you know, mm-hmm. they know what I did, you know, and, uh, I don't get up north as much as I'd like to. Um, but, you know, my heart's there every week, you know, I always, you know, I, I always pay attention to what's going on with the modifieds and stuff like that, even with the spring cars. But, um, yeah, what happened was I was work for Bobby, uh, for, I was work for Brett Hearn and, uh, Bobby, Bobby was, um, you know, he's just starting his own business back then. He used to, he used to, he, Bobby Hearn started off building bodies, repairing, you know, like building his own body. Mm-hmm. Like he get a, you know, he, he did some customers bring cars and he put a body on it. And then one thing led to another where, you know, he would to put a slicker nose on it. So at night I would cut the nose off and move the shock towers and keep the nose lower and stuff like that. And one thing led to another and he, you know, he kind of took that business and made an empire out of it. But, uh, I, I called him, um, I used to call him T.O. Bobby. Because back when I toured with Indy cars, there was a fellow by the name of Tio Fabi that ran IndyCars cars um, and was really fast, won some races. You have a skull number thirty three car, and uh, it was just kind of a jokey. I call him Tio Bobby, and then um, you know, I guess he liked the name and 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 uh, build a build a good uh, a good empire around it. You know?
0: Oh, he definitely it has. It's it's funny when you hear, you know. Okay, so Bicknell. Well, we know where Bicknell came from, right? It's funny yeah. when you hear think, oh well, Tio. Well, yeah his name's Hearn. Well, how's this happen? And then to find out the backstory of it, it's pretty interesting how that works. How it's it goes from a nickname from someone who ran indie cars. Like it, it's such a cool story to hear that. And yeah. Now it he's is. now he's built this empire on it.
1: Yeah, and then the funny part about it was, was I was I already moved down south, and uh, and Bobby got really really serious about it. You know, he put an ad, and I think they were auto the race news and called to fabrications and I, said, I said damn look at that man you know <laughs> you know it was, it was just kind of funny now but the name really kind of took off because he bobby and I were buddies you know and he, he come in the shop and i bustled balls we, we tease each other and and um you know i can tell you some stories being bobby had a, lot, had a lot of good times down in florida he was going uh, he was working down in florida and me and brett went down there one year for a couple weeks to hang out during off season and uh um, bobby's a, bobby's a lot of fun and uh you know, we, we just tease each other, and I see Tio come through and I say, hey, Tio, what the hell are you doing? You know, stuff like that. And uh, and uh, I, I start off because I call him Tio Bobby, you know. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Lord knows, how, you never know, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So um, so after you got, I mean, you won a lot of races with Brett Hearn. I, I would think that was probably your most successful run.
1: Well, I don't know. I won a bunch with Horton. Um, you know, I won a lot with Hearn. You know, uh, yeah, th- th- those two are probably my, my mainstays, you know, but, um, you know, I won, I won race with, with Doug Hoffman. I won uh, at, at Flemington, I, I I took care of an asphalt weight model. Hmm. Uh, it's a whole different story. And Doug won some races with that car. Um, and, uh, you know, Swinehart and Schaefer, you know, it's kind of vile yeah. with their situation that they're, they're two good racers, uh. You know, raise a guy like, oh my God, he's still racing, you know, he's been racing forever, you know, and he's still going at it. And I, I see his grandkids are starting to go. And But, uh, raise a great guy. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, I won races of Brapo, Corella, Hearn, uh, Horton, Pouch, or not Pouch. I never do any, did anything about Pouchy, but, um, you know, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, it lists 100 miles long if I think about it, you know.
0: So, so what, brought you to transition from leaving the dirt world and all the success you had to venturing down to the NASCAR side of things?
1: Well, see, actually, what, what my, my first, uh, um, I actually did some IndyCar racing for a year or two okay. um, before I put um, on and off. And uh, the IndyCar thing would have been really well, worked out really pretty good and, uh, back in 1980. Uh, actually, 1979, I, I snuck in the pits of Trenton. They had, a, uh, they had a modified asphalt modified race there and had Indy cars and I snuck in the pits there. And, uh, back then they, they were having an exhibition race with the modified asphalt modifieds. It was kind of during the gas crunch and they were, they were mixing gasoline and water and doing some kind of exhibition bullshit. Um, but then I got hooked up with Larry Cannon in 79 and helped him there. And then he invited me to Indy in 80 in and I kind of helped him for a while there. And then, you know, uh, and I had some opportunities to go Indy car racing. Um, and i didn't take it because for one i think everything was happening too quick and and uh just about everybody on indycar team was an engineer and i wasn't you know and i don't think that would have hurt me because you know i was i was hands-on with everything i did and you know i I you know i i'm i'm not an engineer but um even today i'm not a uh, uh i don't have a piece of paper saying i'm an engineer but i've designed a lot of cool stuff that works and and um, I got an engineer in mind, I think, you know,
0: so. And that um, and that's fascinating all in itself with all that you've been able to accomplish and, and what we're leading up to, of course, with Hendrick and to not have a piece of paper stating that you're an engineer. But like you said, you have the mind of an engineer. It, it's fascinating that, you know, it doesn't always come down to a piece of paper necessarily.
1: Well, you know, and that's that's what um, I'm old school. You know what I mean? I mean, even today, even uh, I'm, I'm old school, but. Um, I'm also smart enough to change with at the times too. If I want to live in a sport, you know, because even at NASCAR right now, um, the last couple of years, things have changed. And if, if I just, um, the attitude and, and didn't change with at the times, I got kicked to the curb and, and been on the sidelines. So I kind of, as, as technology comes into it, I, I, I grasp it and, and, grab onto it and, and, uh, try to stay on top of things because I want to get a few more years out of, out of working on race cars, you know, but, um, you've got to do that. And then, and the thing was with me when I grew up, uh, in the Northeast there, you know, I, you know, back then we were building our own cars. Like I said, you know, we, we build our own cars and, and stuff like that. So, you know, it was more hands on. And then, um, you know, and then work with Jimmy when he's building his cars and I learned quite a bit there. And then, um, you know, and walk, breeding, building cars with him and, and stuff. And, 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 you know, when I went to work for her and I changed a bunch of things with, uh, on, uh, Brett's cars, he used to piss Bud Olson off. <laughs> But uh, you know, guys, a story in itself. But um, but you know, back then I was I was getting paid uh, you know uh, a salary per week, and I and I'd get a bonus for every time we win. And and um, you know, we had to win, man. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I was, that's how I made my living. You so, know? so so uh,
0: well, well, back then. So not to go back again, but I'm curious. When you're moving from, you know, like you said, in the off season, if you find an opportunity to work with someone else, you know, you did or, or did not move on. When you move from one team to the next, so say like after you left statewide and now you're working with Hearn, are, are those guys asking you like, hey, what's the secret going on over there? What do they got that we don't what what are they doing? How do we you know, what I mean, like like trying to steal their secrets kind of thing. Like, is that the kind of thing that it just comes with
1: the territory? Well, back then, you know, it was a situation where the cars were different. You know, I mean, when I was working for Hearn okay. or Horton, uh, Horton had his own car. Okay, and he built his own his own car and his own design. So, what worked on his stuff uh, really didn't work for Brett. But um, we were smart enough to uh, um, have a common idea with a spring and a torsion bar. Would you know what what combination would work? And and both those guys, let's just face it, they're both really good race car drivers. They oh, have yeah. a good feel for they got they got a feel for the for the car. I mean, they know what they like. You know what I mean. The, um, but that was the cool part. I was always able to go in and, and be able to change something up on, uh, those guys' cars, uh, and, uh, either make them better or, or, or build something that no one else had and, and try to get an advantage, you know? And, and that's one of the things that, uh, Bud Olson, uh, God bless his soul. He, uh, he used to get pissed off me all the time because, um, I'd take an Olson car. Once I got up there to Brett's, we, we changed a bunch of stuff up on it. And, uh, I'll never forget one time we were racing Syracuse during the day, and and we left Syracuse that day. We won the race of Syracuse in the afternoon, then we wanted to roll wheels that night. And Doug Olson jumped underneath the car with me to uh, help me change the torsion bar, and he got under soft torsion rack was totally different. He got Charlie, what the hell did you do here, you know? <laughs> and uh, and then one time I made a bunch of changes. We went the first time the modifieds ever went to Hagerstown. Um, first time we ever went to Hagerstown, I said, Brett, we need to go to this Hagerstown. I said, you know, I, I ran over with, with Kegel with a late model years ago. I said. This is it's a modified race. I so said, we can get on win this thing. And, um, first time we went there, how it worked out, a bunch of modified showed up and, and uh, it was a two day deal. And, and, uh, they had time trials and the first two, uh, locked in and didn't have to run heat races. Well, Brett's, uh, we sat on a pole and I think at the time we were only modified in 19 second bracket and uh, Hoffman was outside pole. And then, uh, then everybody else had a race and we won the race. Um, but, uh, um but there was a, that was a car that we you know, I I completely chopped up an Olson car. Did some things to an Olson car and um and thought we made it better. But you know, one year it kinda almost bit me in the ass too because we were running Middletown and Carl Collis um he had an Olsen car too and um and we were running Middletown and he was kicking our ass there in the beginning of the year. And um and, and he ran a great operation, Carl did, you know. But he had this carburetor, it's called a Lar uh a Laris carburetor. And, um, and everybody kind of thought that that was an advantage of kind of freak, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of took me down the path a little bit So that, uh, that, that, uh, that, uh, that carburetor's got something going on. But after getting beat a couple of times, I, I told Brett, I said, listen, when we got warm, so I said, get behind, uh, Colin, uh, Collis and, uh, I'll stand in the corner. Well, it didn't take me long to figure out that Collis's car had soft torsion bars in our car. And, um, as soon as I saw it, I said, well, that's, that's, that's what he's doing. He's going salt there in the bars, but he was smart too, because his brother Jake ran. And, um, when I called, uh, Bud Olstein to bust her balls, his Kyle's is kicking you guys ass, you know, you did get the house card off. all. I said, well, he's doing something different. He ain't doing nothing different. He buys all the same shit you got. Well, what he was doing was he was buying all his stuff for the bias for his car and buying the stuff for his brother, Jake from Olson. So we wouldn't find out what torsion bars and stuff they were using You know what I mean? Right. right. So, so, you know, cause people do talk. Oh, and, yeah. um, but once we, once I figured that out, then, then we were on even keel and, uh, and we started winning races too. But, uh, that bunch, that 12 bunch over there, um, they are, they're a bunch of good racers back in the day. They, you know, they, they had a great operation, good cars and, uh, health for water and maybe pull my hair out. But, uh, you know, um, I like a challenge too. So, wow. um, but but whatever beat us pretty good. I mean, we couldn't beat him. You know, I mean, damn, he was fast. We he, we got a Nazareth. He 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 beat us. And, you know, we'd run Middletown. He beat us, and I mean, we'd run second. to run second. And I said, you know, they had that carburetor. Um, I it was called a Lars carburetor, and uh, it was a little different. And there's only one out there like that. And um and that kind of everybody kind of thought that was part of it. And it did have it did have its advantages, I'm sure. But you know, kind of. You know, if I, if I made my mind, up so said, that's that carburetor. So that's why we're losing. You know, I would probably never um, look underneath the carpet and saw what really was going on, you know?
0: Yeah. So going, so going back to uh, the original question, um, you know, what took you to go to North Carolina and go the asphalt route in the NASCAR stuff?
1: Well, you know, I was only going to make so much money. Uh, a, a modified mechanic back then was back in. Uh, if, if you made $500 a week, you're making a lot of money. All right. Um, you know, for a full time mechanic, that was that was big money for, um, back then. And, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I, down south, they were paying a lot more. And then, you know, my idea is I wanted to move south to be a crew chief too, you know. And, um, so, uh, you know, Brett and I even, um, you know, when Brett ran, ran some Bush Grand National stuff, he and I did, we did together and we, we were pretty successful too. And when Brett was running Bush Grand National stuff too. But um, uh, the reason I moved south was for uh, you know, so you know, there's you can make a living down here, and 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 there's money to be made down here, and uh, and uh, you know, sky was the limit back then, you know.
0: So, were you recruited by certain people when that time came, or no? Actually, actually, how it all
1: worked out was uh, um, what I would do is kind of a funny deal. Uh, on my off weekends you know, when we weren't racing, like I'd go to Dover and, uh, you know, I used to go to Dover and I got hooked up with Alan Kowicki and I, I helped help Kowicki. And, um, you know, you know, we, and, uh, and then I'd help quick at like, uh, at Dover and Martinsville and stuff like that. And then he wanted me to go to work for him, but hell, I was making more money, work for a modified on a modified team, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, cause Alan was uh, independent back then and, you know, he didn't, and he didn't pay, you know, what their teams were, but, but, um, no, I just, it's just one of those deals are just, uh, you know, uh, I met David if, who was a good, a good crew chief. We, when Brad and us were running a, um, Bush car, I met David, uh, cause I helped, uh, race Hill farms with, uh, um, Ron Bouchard was driving at, uh, Dover one year in the 47 car. And I, and I met uh, David if, was the crew chief and Steve bird was the car chief. Well, and, and birdie wound up being, um, the, uh, crew chief at moroso so when i when i went to moroso's uh that's how i got hooked up there because i uh, was steve burke was crew chief and he knew me and that's how i got on the Moroso deal
0: so it's all about kind of being in the right place at the right time meeting meet, meeting the right people
1: yeah you gotta know people too and i mean but you still gotta when you get the job you still gotta perform it you know you can't stand it you know you can't well, right. bullshit you, you know you gotta you gotta get her done and, and um and uh you know, so that's, that's what it did. And, uh, you know, the, the whole idea. And, and, and I had opportunities, and, and I missed the boat for, for a couple of reasons. Um, I uh, I won a championship of Moroso in the Bush Series in 1989, and he got killed in 1990 on a highway. And um, I was just starting to get some crew chief offers and stuff like that. And uh, the mistake I made was after Robbie got killed, um, the whole team, Went to Robert Yates racing and I was offered a job to go to Robert Yates as a package deal with him, but I stayed with Dick Moroso because at the time Dick Moroso had a house, uh, a farm and I, and I, I I had a mobile home, a brand new mobile home. I put on his property. He's kind of looking after his property when, when he's out town. So I felt loyal to Dick, you know, and, um, after Robbie got killed, that deal kind of, um, got sideways there. Um, I, the mistake I made was I moved back up north. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I, uh, moved back up North, went to work for Knizel's and building cars there. And, and, um, and then, uh, did that for a few years. And then I got back down here in 97 and then, um, uh, been here since then, but, um, and things changed, but, um, I mean, I, there's opportunities right now. I could be a crew chief. There, there's some things going on, but you know, I'll be 61 years old in another week. I mean, you know, it's, uh, You know, uh, I know I could do it and be successful out, but I've done, you know, that that time has passed me by, you know what I
0: mean? Well, yeah, and unfortunately, you know, and of course, no offense to you and your age, but it seems more like a young guys kind of game thing now. Uh, It just seems like that's kind of the way things are turning where guys aren't necessarily replaced because they're losing their lackluster necessarily. It's just because they're a little older. Um, but in your case, you know, you say you missed the boat and you made a mistake. I don't know that that's actually true because your path is your path, right?
1: Right, exactly.
0: And if you would have ended up with Robert Gates racing in 90 or 91, you may have been around for what happened in
1: 92, unfortunately.
0: So that might've been a blessing in disguise.
1: Well, you know, yeah, exactly. And there's, the funny thing is now there's a lot of crew chiefs in the cup series that uh, when I was at, uh, at Hendrick that worked under me, you know, I taught him, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, and it was on, uh, Dale Jr. Download a couple weeks ago where Greg eyes, um, uh, um, brought my name up about some stuff that he and I did together when he, when, when Greg was just starting out. And, he did. I remember probably, that. Yeah. But there's probably five or six crew chiefs in the cup series that I actually, that worked under me. And, um, you know, I, I took them under my wing and, and did some things and, and, um, So I knew, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, where I'm at, I'm on a small team right now. Um, You know, and we got, you know, George Church is our crew chief. He's an older fellow, too. Um, But there there could be, there's been opportunities for me to crew chief stuff. And I I just don't want the responsibility anymore. You know what I mean? I mean, I know I could do it and all, but you got to have so much going for you. You know, you got to, you know, you're racing, you know, our budget in the Cup Series is probably you know, $3 million and we're racing against teams that have $30 million budgets, you know, and we have 15 people on our, uh, on our payroll and Hendrick has 600. And, yeah. you know, so it's, you know, we could talk about that all day long. So, um, and like I said, I'm 61 years old. I'm just starting to wind this this parade down a little bit now, you know, but don't get me wrong. I still have a, a, a burning desire to to build another modified and maybe come up north and stuff like that. And, and I had, a, I had a game plan a couple of years ago and then that deal got sideways on me, but, um, you know I, I don't know you know it's just uh, it's like you just said a second ago you do know, you know you you know you go down a road and you come to an intersection and what happens if i made made a right well hell, i made a left and this is what happened you know so you don't you never know you know right something
0: the left you made may have never came to be
1: so, right exactly
0: you know and and let's talk about that left that you did make you ended up working under arguably the most dominant team in the time frame that they did um I don't think anyone's going to touch the record of seven titles under the new format that they're under. I don't think that anyone's going to win five in a row. That's for damn sure. And you were at Hendrick during that whole time where Jimmy Johnson went from the guy that I believe it was Watkins Glen or Sonoma, where he took Watkins Glen and hit hit the wall and no one knew who he was to the five in a row champion and basically just made the name for himself overnight um you know how how did you end up at Hendrix and how did you end up in the role you were in
1: well it, the Hendrix is a funny story um uh there's a fella um everybody knows who Glenn Donnelly is okay he mm-hmm. you know he's you know well his son uh he's got somebody son by the name of Bob Lutz well Bob Lutz owns uh uh Richard Petty Racing School and you know he he, he moved down south here and he he's a uh you know, um, an entrepreneur. You know, he's everything he touches. He's he's a smart businessman. Um, long story made short, he had a he had a. Uh, um, when I got back down south in '97, Bob offered me a job to come down south in '97 to get back, and I went to work at his driving school, and I built cars for the driving school. And the long story made short, you know, I could tell you the whole story, but through that whole process, I actually wound up building a chassis for uh, Richard Petty in 1997. And I built a car for the for the race team, and um, they won Rockingham with a, a car that I that I designed. You know, so things go on and on and on. But how I got hooked up at Hendrick was I, you know, I was doing that deal with Bob Lutz, and that with he uh, he sold it sold out, and then then he started indie Car Driving School. So then I he contacted me and called me up, and and I, I started I designed and built the indie cars for a school. You know, so I was I was kind of doing that kind of stuff at the time. But it was in Las Vegas and Indiana. I was traveling around a lot, and and um, so anyhow, I came home for uh, Christmas one time, and I was uh, I was contemplating because uh, I was never home and I was out west, and you know, just a lot of things. I was, you know, just I was doing okay. I mean, you know, I, I was designing, and building stuff that was, was, you know, that didn't exist and things like that. But anyhow, I was walking around, uh, just killing time one day, and I walked in into the museum at Hendricks. And, uh, back then they had, uh, the museum, but then you, they had a window, uh, where you could look into the shop and it was a 25 car shop. Well, you know, I'm, I told my wife, I said, I might just try to find something, you know, here and just, just give up that deal and just come and move back home and find something here. So I was over there actually just to buy some Christmas presents. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm looking in the window and, um, Tony Fur, who was the crew chief at the time and Jerry Nadu was the driver and they were standing in the, you know, I'm standing there at this, at this big glass window looking in there at the shop and this is the guy's honest truth. And Fur, Tony Fur, and, and Nadu were standing there talking. Then all of a sudden, they looked up the glass and they freaking pointed pointed at me, right? And I'm looking around, like, who the hell are they pointing at, you know? <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, I looked around and I'm the only asshole standing there, you know? So they're waving me in, they're, they're waving me in, they're waving me in. So I go around. They said, you know, and I knew who Nadu and Nadu knew me, right? He says, he said, you ain't gonna believe this shit, Charlie. He says, we just sitting there talking. And, uh, Fur, you know, we need some guys. And he says, I, I got a friend of mine that I ain't seen in years, but if I could, you know, if I could ever, I don't even know where the hell he's at. And, and Fur goes, who is he? He said, Charlie Langenstein." He says, but, you know, I don't, I had no idea what the hell he's doing. He said, we looked up at your stand there <laughs> in the glass. So, and it was, that, that's a God's honest truth, man. So, uh, so, you know, first, do you want to come to work? I said, yeah, yeah, but I, I got to do this deal. So I, I, you know, um, I, I had a, Cash out my deal out there in Vegas, Las Vegas. I was living in Las Vegas at the time, getting a two weeks notice. And first, I'll you know, you come to work for me and blah 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 this and that. And and it was a Jerry Maydo when he had the Michael Holligan car, and um, we actually wound up winning a race. Um, and Maydo uh, was going to be a really good race car driver, um, but things happened there at Hendrick, and he he got out of Hendrick Fold, and then went over and he got hurt driving the Army car mm-hmm. when he hit the wall there, hit the wall there at uh, Richmond in practice, and uh, you know scrambled his eggs. Um, but uh, long story made short I was on a 25 car and um, Robbie Loomis was just uh, was uh, Jeff Gordon's crew chief mm-hmm. and um, I was I was working on a 25 car and I knew Loomis was up there but you know it, you know the shops are a big complex at Hendrick Loomis was up there on the on the 24 uh, well I built Loomis the car in ni- 1997 when he was a crew chief for Richard Petty and I you know I designed and built it for uh, for for uh, Bobby Hamilton, when he yeah. drove, when we won, uh, we won Rockham with it in 1997. It's a car I designed and built, and uh, that's a whole different story in itself. But anyhow, Loomis found out that I was working at Hendrick. There's so many people he didn't know, he. And, uh, so he uh, he recruited me. He went to fur and and, uh, and that's when he brought Jimmy in and they they were hiring some people and they they hired you know guys that they you know they move people around on the on the complex. Well, Loomis says, um, you know, he says you're coming to work for us. You're coming to work for us and. And so uh, that's why I got transferred from the 25 car, went up there and I actually started there in, on, on the, uh, back then it was the twenty-four forty-eight, and Jimmy was a rookie and, you know, we won races and I got involved with Jimmy. Jimmy was already two or three races into his rookie season. And, and by the time I got on that team, you know, mm-hmm. and then, um, and then a couple years later, I, I worked my way up to the mechanical director at that shop there. And, and, uh, lo and behold, uh, um, 2008, um, I was fortunate to win the Hendrick, uh, Papa Joe Hendrick award, um, at Hendrick, which is, uh, you know, it'd be kind of like, it's the most prestigious award you could win at Hendrick. It's to me, I always say it's like winning the Heisman. Yeah. It's a uh, voted by your peers in 2008. I got voted and, and won that award. I had a good career at Hendrick. And what happened was, well, I'm not there anymore. I hurt my knees on a, one day I was walking through the, uh, leaving a, a meeting and me and our guy was walking from one, one building to another. And these kids were towing uh, uh Jeff Gordon's brand new speedway car, you know, it was all, you know, bare metal and everything. Mm-hmm. And they were towing it with a golf cart and the damn strap come undone. And, and uh, the car got loose. Right. And the car's kind of rolling down the hill toward. A, they have a pond there. It's changed up a whole bunch, but at the time they have, a, they still have the pond and the damn cars hauling haul us for a pond. So I tried to, me and our guy ran and tried to stop the car and I destroyed my knees. And long story may short it's, uh, They basically retired me from Hendrick. Um, uh, because of my needs and stuff like that. But my oldest son, Kyle, he still works there. He's been over there. He's been, he's been there for over 20 some years. Um, and I, at that time I had like 14 years in with the deal. So they basically bought my contract out and, and retired me and, and left on good terms and all. Because this is more of a workman's comp thing, I think, than anything. And, uh, um, and since then I've had offers to go back, um, um, some big wheels, uh, within the corporation, um, offered me jobs to come back and I didn't, I didn't do it, you know.
0: Yeah, it's so, uh, it's interesting hearing the stories about what goes on with, you know, and, and just knowing people, you know, we're in the dirt world up here in the northeast with modifieds and, and everything else. And it's neat to hear the stories that come out of guys who moved down south and made a name for themselves. I mean, I look at, you know, we have a personal friend, Wesley Leip, who works on uh, was with Kyle Bush's team. I know he works in the Gibbs organization. I'm not sure which team he's on at this moment. But then, guys like, uh, you know, look like at Kyle Strickler. I'm not sure if you know who that is. Oh, yeah, um, yep, yep. Um, yeah, I know mean, Kyle. Yeah. Kyle's a great guy. I mean, yep. he ran a modified, and from what I understand, yeah, he was good, but not great. And goes down and gets in this, this left side seated ump mod car. And,
1: now, yeah, and hero, now, you know? now
0: he's winning World of Outlaw 8
1: model races and taking
0: names. It's yeah, awesome you know, like to he, hear yeah. that stuff.
1: Well, that's, I mean, uh, he, you know, he. You know he ran Grandview and stuff, and, and you know um, he he wasn't really right uh, on on the map until he came down here and started winning races. I and mean, he's 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 got a good career going now. Um, uh, Kyle's doing a good job.
0: I always bust his ass. I said I think you just needed to have the seat on the left side of the car, and you would have been fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, he's uh, he's had a good career. But there's there's another situation there. You just never know what the hell happens, right? Right. Um,
0: and, and picking up so. and moving your life down to North Carolina, it. I'm sure there's a lot of guys that have done it that came back real quick. Like it just didn't.
1: Plan. Well, I, I tell you what, man, there's a, you know, uh, you know, years ago when I first got into it, um, the Southerners didn't like us Yankees coming down there. You know what I mean? Oh, it was yeah. tough. Uh-huh. You know, I worked, I worked with, I worked with some of the the, the old legends, you know what I mean? Uh, Jake Keller and, and, uh, Harry Hyde and all those guys, you know, and, and, uh, you worked with those cats and they knew you're from the Northeast or, you know, you weren't a Southerner boy. You really had to, you really had to impress them, you know? Um,
0: yeah. it's, it was almost but, like its own civil war kind of thing going on. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Like the all still think the damn war's still going on, And with some of the guys now, we still bust balls. So like, uh, you know, like, um, some of the guys down here, you know, we tease them like, uh, you know, about the food, like, uh, you know, like we go to a restaurant and they have Yankee pot roast. And I said, "Now nah, he's a damn rebel. He only eats that shit. <laughs> Stuff like that. And Boston cream pie. I just, one, one buddy of mine, he's a setup guy for, uh, uh, Hendrick and we used to go to lunch and, uh, um, I mean, he's a big Southerner and, uh, I used to find uh, a piece of Boston cream pie all the time because it's from Boston, you know, it's, it's whatever, anything like that. Then right. he'd bust my balls, you know, but we, yeah, it's kind of fun, fun we have, you know, oh, but, course. uh, but, uh, yeah, like nowadays it's, um, you look, and then, like, I work with some older guys, and, and every one of them migrated a right here. Like, even Kevin Collins, you know, it's uh, Kevin Buskirk. You know, Collins, uh, you know, who, who raced under Kevin Collins for years up at Northeast. He works at uh, um, Penske, and uh, but his real name is Kevin Buskirk. And, uh, I mean, uh, Mike Hillman, who used to work at Alan Johnson's deal, he's down here to is, is, Billy Taylor, you know, there's, there's, you know, it's a, it's like old home week sometimes, you know? Yeah. But, um, what's going on, this older crowd, you know, we're, we're all getting older and they've got these young kids coming in nowadays. And, and um, you know, uh, their work ethic isn't what I, I you know, I mean, it, um, their work ethic isn't what our old or you know, our, uh, what our work ethic is you now.
0: It's a different uh, generation. It's a different breed. It's. Well, half these guys are
1: engineers and they came to spell engineer, you know what I mean? And, uh, and then, and to me, an engineer, that, that's great, but I don't need a freaking engineer to build a building. You know what I mean? I mean, right. an engineer knows, uh, you know, suspension, you know, and that's, there's, there's racing engineers down here. I can name a handful and they're really, really good right. because they apply their engineering toward racing. I don't need, like I said, I don't need an engineer that says, you know, if we build the skyscraper and we put this here, that, that bullshit don't mean nothing to me. No. You know what I mean? No. I mean, and, you know, it's, that's, that's all great and all, but. To me, an engineer is a race car, is a car, car engineer, you know what I mean? Right. Because our stuff is, uh, you know, um, you know, moving your pickup points, moving your, you know, moving your motor angles and moving your truck arms. And, and, and of course all this shit's going to change because we get this new car coming out. But that's a whole different story. We'll save that for another time, but, um,
0: uh, it's forever changing. It always yeah is. and
1: uh, a lot of these engineers aren't enough of a good they're, you know and I'm not bad mouth of some of them are really really good some are I mean, not a damn good 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 uh, note taker you know what oh, I mean
0: yeah
1: and um and you know there's a the race teams we got one engineer in our team and uh when I was a Hendrick and all these big teams crazy my money it's almost a the point now it's like the years when I was when back in Indy cars back in the early 80s you know if you if you weren't an engineer you didn't get a job you know and, I, and at that point, I was good enough and, and, and I had my foot in the door long enough that I, that I would have been alright without the engineering degree. But nowadays, it's almost like you got to have an engineering degree to uh, to get a job. And then really nowadays, to, um, to be a crew chief, you better be an engineer. And like Chad Knauss, he ain't no damn engineer. You know, he's a racer. Um we're Greg Ives, yes he's an engineer, but Greg Ives is a racing engineer. Greg Ives used to race late models and stuff, you know. He understands, you know, if you if you move your front end pickup points here, or if you change the spring, or if you you know, do different things with springs and shocks and stuff. That's what that's what makes wins races, you know. Right. Because we have so much simulation down here nowadays. And some of us bleed into the northeast, you know what I mean? Um you know, there's you know there, there's there's technology that's bleed down here. I know, I know there's been some modifies down here in Wintels. You know, yep. Um, so the, it, it, the stuff's bouncing back and forth. But um, an engineer to me, um, you know, uh, I'm not saying I don't need one because I, I like them. You know, I, I you know I, I like to bounce stuff off. But but you got to really to me, you, you better you know you better understand race car first. I don't, I don't really give a shit if you could, you know, if, if you could, uh, you know, if you build a train track and you have this post here, you know, that don't mean, that don't mean nothing to me. You know what I mean? It's right. You know, that's how you
0: apply it to what you need. Right. Exactly.
1: Do. Exactly. And then I think the guys that, that are most successful, like I said, a lot of crew chiefs nowadays are engineers, but um, there's so much simulation down here. I mean, they simulate everything, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, and that's the kind of stuff that you got to be on top of, you know what I mean? Because, um, you could you can pretty much um, you could you could run a race in, in on a on a simulator. And when I say simulator, I mean you know, I, you know, they got the video games when I bullshit, it, but um, they they have a you know they we have machines put a car down and pull it down and stuff. You can actually see what's going on. You know you could see you know what what, uh, what your clearances are and how much uh, camber gain you're getting, and then uh, how much Ackerman swing you got, and, and you could see angles, and and then you actually see how much weight's going on that wheel and stuff like that. So. Um, you know, that's the stuff that's important, you know, and then tires, you know, um, you know, tires is a science down here, you know, I mean, they, they took away, uh, some of the things we used to have, uh, uh, a way we used to, uh, do the spring rate on a tire because a tire is nothing but a spring. But now, now when you get a tire from Goodyear, they, they have a spring rate number on it, you know, So pretty much, but you know, we used to take it even farther than that, you know, um, you know, they're air pressures and tires and I mean, you got to look at the whole package, man. You got to have a motor, you got to have the motor run, right. You got to have, you got to have the, you know, the, and those guys, the, the, the engine builders down here got a handle on it, but, um, you know, you got to have the whole combination if you're going to win races, you know, yeah, anywhere, even in Northeast, I don't care what it is. If you want to win Grandview on a Saturday night, you got to have the whole package because if you don't, there's 25 other guys that do. And, and they're all tough, man. Like, like I said, if you could win a Grandview on a Saturday night, you could pretty much win anywhere in the United States. So that's a tough ass crowd, man. You know, and I mean, it, it's not quite what it used to be, but, you know, when I was there, you know, you go there on a Saturday night, it could be 60 cars and, and, uh, you know, 40 of them are going home, you know what I mean? Whatever, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, and it's, you know, nowadays, uh, uh you know, back, back when I was growing up, we had heats and consies and shit. And if you didn't make it, there was no promoter, promoter's choice and all that of bullshit. Oh, yeah. You know, you had to race your way in, man.
0: Uh, and, that's, um, that's one thing about working at Big Diamond. I love. We do not acknowledge provisionals whatsoever. You don't make it. You don't make it. That's it.
1: Well, and and that's the cool thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think you know. You know. You know as well as I do. You sit there and you look at the stands, and they have their, uh, Yankowski shirts on, or yeah. they have their uh, Dwayne Howard shirt, or Von Dorn shirt, or Swinehart or you know, you name them. I mean, I know all those cats, right? And um, you know. If their boy don't make it, I mean, a lot of those guys, you know, they 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 bring up, the, they bring a, a hell of a crowd, you know. Oh yeah. Um, Guler, I mean, not I think that guy and you even kind of said it in, in in your interview there. There's a guy there that you know, you know, I knew who his dad was, and um, and but that cat man, he he's really came on. I mean, he, you know, he's, you know, he went the to middle town ran good. He should have won races there. And I mean, he goes on the road and wins, and that cat's got his act together, you know, and. uh and you know he's he's running with the the best and uh and i think with that dayo series mm-hmm. um along with the dirt series i mean it's two different worlds but because of the tires and and, and also other kind of shit. but um you know that mike guler impressed him. um you know with this uh you know i'm, I'm real good friends with andy bichetti you know and uh um you know Biketti one year brought his car down here and we did some work on it whenever we we're tested there's a track down here that that's real close to lebanon valley and, and we did some changes on the car and, we tested there and he went up and went up to the Valley, like Keith Flack and I, you know, my son drove for Keith Flack, you know, they're all good people, man. You know, So, you know, Tremont's, you know, Tremont's great people. I mean, all those guys, uh, you know, um, you know, we just lost Jack Johnson, Jack and I were buddies, you know, and, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, I can tell you stories all day long. Coville, you know, these cats, the older crowd there, you know I mean? You know, Kenny, uh, you know, I mean, Dave Kelly, I mean, we'd name him all day long. These, Gary Gollup. Now that guy, Gary Golub was a badass race car driver. I remember we were run, uh, we were running uh, a Breachport with Horton, and he was driving for Bill Bryant in that 16 car. Not yeah. damn if he wasn't fast. You know what I mean? And I mean, uh, you know, these guys, these guys are tough. They're racers, man. Oh yeah,
0: and it's you know I'm only 37, so I missed gollub I missed Bright Bill. Um, I mean, I probably saw Kenny when I was younger, but I don't remember any of it. The funny thing about Kenny, and I tell everybody this that wants to know, you know, I know Brad. Brad's my friend. Yeah. I've yeah. known Brad before I started playing yeah, the race track. Yeah, Brad so, and
1: Keith, are, they're, they're, all, they're all my friends. So
0: Kenny, that's just my buddy's dad. Like, I don't know Kenny Brightbowl, the legend that won a shit ton huh. of racing. Like, I don't know any of that. So it's just, it's a different perspective. Like, and now I'm getting the chance now. And that's why I brought on a guy like Gary Golub. And I'm definitely going to ask Kenny. And, uh, you know, I just talked to Glenn Heineman. Hey, I'm going to, you know, go to the shop and, and chat him up about the legendary 126. It's, 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 I'm also educating myself at the same time with the guys that I unfortunately didn't get to see.
1: Well, I'll tell you, you know, the Heineman, he's another story. I mean, that, that man is, is, uh. I mean, we need more guys like him. I mean, I know you got your norms and you got this guy and you got that guy, but there's not enough of those people anymore. Years ago, there used to be corners. Now there's hardly any corners. You know what I mean? Like that. Um, I don't know if it's Fawcett that drives, uh, I guess, it owns uh, Guler stuff. You know, Thoughts We not. need people. Yeah, yeah. We need people like that. I mean, you know, race car drivers we need people like that. And, you know, these guys are spending their hard-earned money and they're spending a lot of money to do that shit, dude. There's nothing cheaper than race cars anymore.
0: Well, and, that's, and that's one of the things, you know, not to divulge what I plan on talking to, to, to Glenn about, but that's one of the big areas that I really want to focus on is right now, yes, you have Glenn still with the 126. You have Norm Hansel and 357. You have a couple of car owners that aren't employing their kid to drive. Um, you have a couple but it's not what it used to be. It is not. No. It, it's not like the the off season in no. football. signing no. the best prospect
1: kind of thing anymore. Right.
0: So it's no. kind of a lost art and it's kind of, you know,
1: it's getting harder and harder for a guy right. like Strunk to find a ride. You know what I mean? And right. And uh, I mean, and for uh, Dwayne to get that, uh, you know, the, the concrete guy, and he decides he's going to be a car owner. And then these guys spend money, dude.
0: Right. And they went on races, you know, and and, and, uh, and that's why, and, because they're harder to come by.
1: Yeah, and they are, and and those guys are going to grab a guy like Dwayne Howard and Von Dorn and and those cats because you know they they they're, they win races. Okay, they're, they're
0: still winning, and right. they've done it for the last thirty years, and they haven't showed you that it's slowing
1: down anytime soon. So why would you? No, right, yeah. exactly, and you know the fan following them guys got. You know what I'm saying? Oh, christ you, definitely. You go to Grandview on a Saturday night, or even even Big Diamond. I've been Big Diamond in years. Last time we thought we were with we, Horton, we won a URC race there, but. That's back in, I think, the uh, Stone Ages. But um,
0: you take you take the Von Dorns, Drunken Howard fans out of the grandstands. Yeah, it's going to be very empty.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the, what I like is the rivalry. You're like, like my buddies there to, uh, with the um, Calpatti, Cal Nation. They're yeah. my buddies. You know, I, I talk to Brett and them guys, uh, and uh, you know, I support all these guys. They're my friends. You know, what I mean, and, and I love. I, you know, I'm down here. You know, making a pretty decent living, working on these cup cars and stuff, but. And I get my air all the race news. It's like my Wall Street Journal, dude. Yeah. You know, I I get that damn thing and I'm on the internet and, and this and that. And I got my little my little website I try to, you know, do some racing stuff with and all. But, you know, Gary Tompkins up north I mean all these guys. I know them all, man. I mean you know, then and I respect them and I'm pretty sure they respect me. But it's it's the deal, it's like uh nowadays, like you said, these kids that are coming up, you know, like the Yankowski kid, he's a damn good race car driver and the reason is because he understands his car. Oh you know, because a lot of these kids does says, I don't homework. even Right. But there's a lot of these guys that I never heard of them, but their mom and dad owns a concrete company or they own this or And that's all good. That's fine. You need that kind of stuff. Now, there are some of those guys that, that their moms and dads have a lot of money or grandpa, grandma, and they're pretty good race car drivers. Right. I mean, that's that's all part of it. But it's just the same thing down south nowadays. It's just like, yeah, these guys nowadays aren't getting rides because of town. It's how much money you bring, dude. Yeah. You know. You're exactly right, and that's the part that sucks. Um, but these cars, that you know, it, no matter what you running you run a damn street stock. It could cost you money, you know. Oh, it's I mean, it's if, the if evolution you want to win of the sport, yeah,
0: it, it's what so it is.
1: You could put a rule on it, and you could put a seal on it, and you could put this on it, and racers are going to find ways around it. You know, and and that's the part that really stinks because, um, well, I'm guilty of it too. So, but but only because if you don't do it, someone else going to do it. You know what I mean? But uh, um, you know, it's like the money these guys spend on these 602s and 604s. Price their money, they're, they're full-blown modifieds so with a different motor in it. Yeah. You know, and the money they're spending, I mean, they're still still buying tires, you know, and, and the wheels are still the same. I mean, and they're running for freaking peanuts, you know, and like, and, and all the cars are beautiful, man. I mean, everybody's nice, you know, lettering jobs and chrome and this and that and they got spares this i mean they, they, they do it right man but nowadays you, you 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 get everything in a bottle pack you call pig NL or you call keo or and they saw the shit is done it's anodized you know back in our day we go to the fucking junkyard and cut the stuff up excuse my french you no, go to a junkyard you, you go to the junkyard and, and, and cut the shit up and change it and and make your own stuff you know what i mean and, you know weird times we go to the junkyard and, and cut a gremlin body or a pinto body or a vega body off and nowadays, is you know, just give me six sheets of sheet metal, I'll build your body. You know, well, uh, and that's
0: the that's but, the one thing about, uh, you know, Kenny's kid Brad. Two three years ago, they built a home built yep. sportsman from the ground. Yeah, out. they won a lot of races. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. you ain't kidding. They won a lot of yep. races that car. Yeah.
1: yeah, and and the thing is, Brad and I are good buddies. He comes down here every every year. He comes down south. He brings me a shoe fly pie. You know. <laughs> And, uh, but we have, we have a lot of fun. I can tell you stories, oh, man. Yeah. I got these and, and, and Ken, uh, uh, um, you know, stories he and I could tell, um, and, and it's all good, clean fun. You know what of I mean? We, course. You know, I, I can tell you stories of me and Raymer and this one and that one. And, and we, I mean, we, we have, have fun, man. You know, it's like, you know, uh, but that's all we did. You know, we raced and, uh, um, and, you know, I mean, I, I don't get up as North as much as I do or like to, um, you know only because of my job yeah but uh you know when they come down here for warm finals that's that's a big deal for me that's like my Syracuse you know and stuff like that so and then my son uh, dabbles a little bit races a little bit every now and then you know over in a chili bowl stuff like that and and um you know he races as much as he can um I didn't have enough money to get him to where he need to be but you know Keith Flack drives modified down here one year and oh, yeah, but cool. my son my son oh yeah and they're great people my son's got a real good job in racing he's a he works for a company called HMS's, uh, it's all safety equipment. He's always up there at the trade show and up there yeah. in Philly. Um, yeah, and, yeah, Austin. He's, uh, he's probably the best, uh, as far as safety equipment. I mean, you know, not only the Northeast guys, or uh, sprint car guys, I, I mean, he's got F1 people calling him, car people. I mean, he's, when it comes to safety, his, him and his company are on top of it. You know, they, they got the best belts and they show you how to mount stuff and the Hans devices and, the, and, you know, all anything safety, helmets, uniforms, the whole deal. You know what I mean? That was uh, that
0: was my senior uh, English report. I had to write to graduate high school. I did it on the Hans device. Yep. Yeah. 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 So uh, as um, as we wind this down, um, I I have two more things I wanted to to bring up with you. First one being uh, rebuilding the Batmobile for the Dirt Motorsports Hall of Fame. (laughs) So I got to ask you this. Now, you were around during the time of the Batmobile. You weren't on Baloo's team. What was your take on the Batmobile? So, I've heard stories about double fuel cell. I've heard stories that the Batmobile pretty much ruined modified racing and it created this switch in body style, which turned into the cookie cutter thing. So, what's your take on the, you know, Kennywell built an absolutely fantastic race car, no lie about it. But, what's your take on the whole Batmobile thing? And then, how was it rebuilding it?
1: Well, um, if you look that year I worked for Horton, we, we built, and the same year, the funny part was I was actually working, it was 1980. Well, that year I worked in Indianapolis cars, you know, so I had a little bit of uh, IndyCar ideas and stuff, you know what I mean? Um, and when I was in Indianapolis, uh, Don Brown, who built the body, uh, that, that, that body was being built in uh, Indianapolis, you know, but I didn't know that. I heard I heard rumors and this and that. Now, all we knew is that Blue was, Blue was building a badass race car, Okay. And when we got there, you know, if you look at the car we went there to Syracuse with Horton, we had we had long doors and aerodynamic this and aerodynamic that. But it's still a standard Gremlin roof and Gremlin quarter pounds. And, you know, when, when they unloaded that thing, that that, that 112 car, um, for one, the, the story is, is um, Kenny Weld told Gary, um, not to show his hand. Don't show him how fast the car is, okay? <laughs> and, and, from, and, and Gary, you know, he's a racer. He oh, went yeah. out, I guess he, he, he fucking, he busted one off, right? And I mean, he was three seconds on what it was, three seconds. He was so fast or anything there, right? And, um, and it pissed Kenny well off. From what I understand, Kenny got pissed off and said, I ain't, I ain't touching a car, you know, because he could have made it faster. Thank <laughs> God he didn't, you know? You know what I mean? Um, now that's the story I heard. And I, you know, I know, I know a lot of the boys that worked on that car and that's what I sort of hear. Uh, so long story made short. Um, you know, after that car went out and ran, you saw what happened. That uh, that next night, everybody cut their shit up. You know, what I mean, the '99, uh, uh Bright Bill. I mean, every everybody. You know, with the '58 car trailer. He put a roof right in the air, and Cozy did stuff, and uh, everybody did, did something. But you weren't going to beat that car for a lot of reasons. For one, it was um the driver pretty badass uh, right. not you know but okay but the car was like so far ahead of its time you know i mean it was yeah. aerodynamic it had a great motor in it it uh you know aerodynamics was a big thing you know and, and gary blue will Air airs free so um yeah he will um so uh but that car was so fast you know i mean and then people are saying well you know the only way you're gonna beat that car is if you wreck him you know if that thing was so damn fast you couldn't wreck him if you wanted to you know what i mean and, and the then Gary, way, you know, Gary the being thing, the showman.
0: The only thing is if that thing would have blew up. That'd be the only thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then, and, and but they had uh, the best motor, you know, they had engine builder. Had Mario Rossi was there tuning the motors. I mean, that, that that car was like, you know, and then they say, well, like, you know, the um, they uh, they had the, the, um, the dirt official looked at the car and, and okayed it ahead of time. Well, who knows what happened? You know, he might have greased the guy's palm a little bit. And who knows what happened? But anyhow, right. the car changed definitely changed the sport no doubt and it woke everybody up. Now <laughs> I'm kinda embarrassed to say this, but but when I got the deal to put that thing back together, um Glenn Donnelly called me up. I was working at I was working at uh at uh K'nizel at the time and Donnelly calls me and said, Charlie I need you to do me a favor. I said what's that? He said, I, I, I got the Batmobile. He said I need you to put it back together. <laughs> right? Well this is I don't know, this is you know years later. I mean nothing right. exists, right? Right. So um, I knew Ferriola real well, actually in 19, I forget what year it was, 97 or so I built a car for Ferriola and Ken Bren, uh, ran Syracuse so we had a chance to win. Um, Billy Osmond was beating it, uh, the 200 Flemington with that car and it got a hole in the roll on. that car was pretty fast, but I'm going to make sure. Um, so Ferriola, um, I gave the car to him and, and, um, the body was, uh, we got the body, um, they had to send a guy out to Indiana, Indiana. the body is laying in a damn uh, in a field, you know, Wow. the original body. So anyhow, I get the chassis. And if you remember correctly, the original 112 came back a year or so later, it was a Torino body on with Ferriola and it was really, really ugly. You know what I mean? It had the long back and it was the same car, you know, mm-hmm. and it didn't run worth a darn, you know? Um, so what happened was the original chassis was totally different. So, um, at the time, uh, you know, I had to cut the, I had to cut the, the cage and move this around this and that. And um, they did such a nice job on it. I, I had an idea where to cut it. But anyhow, I got a hold of Kenny Weld and I, and I, I, I called Kenny up and said, Kenny, here's the story. Well, he says, you know, I usually don't like people cutting on my stuff. You know, I said, well, I know that. He said, well, I know you. He said, I trust you. Um, so he kind of told me where they pieced it and cut it and this thing. So, anyhow, I put the thing together in like three weeks, okay? I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, I had no time at all. And then whatever parts I didn't have, I had to simulate. So I, I couldn't get the right tires. So the car went up there and it, it, it was, you know, it looked okay. It wasn't exactly what it I had three weeks to do the thing, you know? Um, and I think what happened was when Gary finally got hooked up at Halmar and everything and, then uh, you know, Mr. Larson there and, and it, the, whatever, they, 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 they actually did, they did the car right. You know, they, I mean, they, they turned it back to life, you know, and the thing actually goes around the racetrack and stuff like that. But it was a, it was, um, it was a challenge, but I didn't have hardly, I had no budget. I had no money, you know, the, the, I got the Coney shocks because I called the Coney guy and uh, the car steered off the right front. So I called profile and and then had to make me a steering box that steered off the right front. Um, yeah, that there's a lot of things with the car and I had to simulate a lot of stuff. I didn't have the time. And I mean, a a project like that, you know, it it takes a budget and it takes time. And at the time I didn't have none of that, but we got the thing to the museum and they did, it went, you know, it, it held its own there for a while. And then when Gary kind of got uh, his things in order he got hooked up at the thing and saw it a couple times and I heard he he wasn't very happy with it well I mean I never did talk to Gary about it but the thing was, was I didn't have no money and the the to, to redo it and I did redo it the best I could for the time frame I had and um but when Gary got a hold of it with uh you know with uh with his know-how what he had in the card and, and you know I think Chris Larson funded the thing um you know they did right and you know, they brought it back the pretty much original state, you know, and then whatever they didn't have, um, they had made, you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, so that's the difference, you know. So, but uh that that car as far as changing the sport, I think it opened up a lot of eyes as far as aerodynamics, you know what I mean? Oh, it did.
0: I mean well it looked a hell of a lot different and that definitely opened eyes and then it, well, it was the well, so much faster.
1: Yeah, and it was wide, you know, and back then, the, the you know, a lot of cars were narrow, you know. Well, they, they built the thing to the maximum width. And then after that car, they came out with, you know, uh, you can't have this. The quarter pound going got to be so high. You got spoilers. And that car changed the whole sport. There's no doubt. And and that thing, you know, who knows, that 20 years later, I think probably still go out there and kick everybody's ass that car so far ahead of its time, you know.
0: No lie. Um, the first time yeah. I ever saw that thing was at Motorsports. It was the year of the finale at the fairgrounds. They had it at Motorsports uh, with Friesen's car. And I don't know that I'd ever seen the Batmobile, and I legit looked at my dad and I said, I feel like this is something that came out of the Monsters.
1: Yeah, well, you know, he had, they had the best people in the world working on that thing. You know I mean? Uh, Kenny Weld was freaking oh? smart. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he oh, built yeah. the Weld cars years ago, and, and, uh, and, you know, when he built that Weld car, that changed everything. You know I mean? You know, back then Tobias cars were good, but when Kenny built that weld car, and nothing was, you know, ahead of its time, and and then, um, uh, and then, of course he had that Don Brown who built IndyCar car bodies. You know, he did the body on the car, and he had uh, I think Hunter built the motor, and um, he had the best of the best, the best people working on the thing, best people designing it, best people. I mean, uh, it was a uh, it was all uh, unlimited funding, you know. Yep, and that's and, well, um, and
0: that's and that's that's part of the issue with some of the better teams nowadays is. There is no budget, no. So they, no, they no. can do what what they need to do to get it done.
1: Well, you know what? I if I had the money, I'd do the same damn thing because, uh, you know. But 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 uh, that's what it takes, man. I mean, somebody's always going to try to outspend everybody. I mean, I, there's stories where we were down in New Smyrna one year, and um, you know, uh, Gary Blue and Billy Harvey, you know, they 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 bought all the damn tires you know, uh, the late models So don't go buy the cars. You know what I mean? There's, there's so many stories out there, you know, you hear, and, um, but you know, back then when I was working for statewide, George Smith had a lot of money and he spent a lot of money and Farrell had a lot of money and Brent had a lot of money. And, and, um, you know, those guys, you know, they, they would see who could outspend who, out who, you know,
0: yep.
1: and, but they all had good drivers, good cars. And, you know, I mean, they came out with the well car and that was, or the King car. And that was good. And,
0: well, if you're gonna spend it, if you're gonna spend all your money, you might you better have a damn good shoe in the seat, that's for sure.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean and um you know, like nowadays, you know, there again, if you don't have a big nail coil car, you might as well stay home. Right. You know? Right. So, um but that's things change, you know, but someone's gonna come along and you know, it's a, you know, someone's gonna come along and change something up, you know.
0: Yep. It it it's just what's next is the question.
1: Yeah, and but, you know, and they're there. I have a design right now. I have a, you know, and that the part of the design that got out is a lot of like what McNeil sells now, you know, with the Panhard bar. The whole deal, the whole, the whole thing, that, that whole, that whole idea. I, I could tell you how the whole thing got started and how it got out. And, all, and that's a whole story with itself. But I don't, if I did that, I'd probably make some people mad, but I didn't want to do that. But, um, but anyhow, it got away from me and, um, and, uh, the, my money man got upset and the whole deal kind of, um took a crap after that. And uh so long story made short, it's, it's it's a learning deal. But you know, I still have a design in my mind if I had to uh um it's kinda funny before Don Buffalino got that deal with uh Heinemann, uh Dom and I were talking on the phone and uh before the steel ever came down with him in the one twenty six deal, uh Dom and I were talking and uh, I was gonna try to put a car together and uh um I was gonna build what I wanted to build that, that got away from me. And, um, and, and Dom and I were talking and it, in my mind, he was good enough to put in the car to pick the, you know, he was a good driver, a good choice to drive it, you know, but, um, but I don't have the funding I had back then. I had a, I had a fellow who put up the money. I bought all the equipment and, and, you know, we were going to build, we were building six cars and here's the story. We we're going to build six cars. Uh, one of them was going to be, or uh, actually two of them were going to be for Rick Liebach. Liebach was going to drive them. And then, um, one of them was going to be for my son and one of them we were building for Kyle Larson to run. Um, and then we we're going to have two extras and then we we're going to just go from there and see how things go, you know, and we had the money, we had the funding, I had the equipment, had everything. I had also my business plan at the time was I was going to build all the cars down South here. And I was going to open up a, at the time I was in between, um, you know, I, I was going to open up a shop somewhere, whether it be in Allentown area or Albany area or somewhere. And, and, um, service the stuff, you know, um, but I wanted to build the cars down here, you know, with all my buddies who get off late at night. They're all good craftsmen, wellers and good, you know, good, good fabricators. And I don't want to keep the technology down here, but it's like anything else. Once somebody gets a hold of it, 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 it doesn't take much to copy, it, you know, but the thing was what, what they get out, what they're running is all good. But that's not, I mean, I, my, my, that isn't, wasn't my whole design. Um, what got out was just partial of it. So what I still have on paper but I don't have the funding to do it. Um I I still think I and, and Lenny Sams did an article in an area race news a while back about about the deal. Um but uh, I still think I could build a modified that that would be faster than anything they got. But there again, you gotta have the, the right driver and you gotta have a good motor, you gotta have a power program. I mean, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it just to do it. You know, I I'd I'd make sure, you know, when I was putting that other program together I had the funding to do it right. Like I said, we were gonna get Kyle Larson was gonna drive one of our modifieds. I get all door and stuff like that, you know, um, and and my box, you know, you Rick, Rick will probably talk about it a little bit, but you know, Rick was Rick was a vibe. He was he was going to be the driver of one of the cars, and we had some things cooking, but it all it all fell through the cracks. You know, a couple things happened, and the design got out, and one thing led to another, and then it got to this guy, and that guy got to this guy, and then you know, it's it's out there now. So yeah, um, but I still I still feel like I got I got a design that will still win races, but. Uh, for me to do it, um, you know, I don't let me just take take things to grade with me, but I'd like to do it, but it, it's going to take it's going to take money to do it, you know.
0: Uh, so the the second uh, and last question I had for you was, you did get to uh, be inducted into the Dirt Motorsports Hall of Fame in two thousand eight. How um, how was that for you? I mean, was that Justification? Do you think for all that you've accomplished in in the dirt industry, or were you kind of caught off guard, like I don't belong here, or what?
1: No, you know it was a kind of a good situation because uh, the timing was right. But the other thing is that last year, um, uh, I was inducted to the, the New York State uh, Stock Car uh, Hall of Fame too. Um, that that happened last year it's me, Mike McLaughlin, Jeff Hetzler, and, and John McCardle, and um. It was uh, last year I got inducted in the New York uh, stock car, um, association, the New York, New York state stock car association. I got inducted in that. Like I said, there was four of us. It was me, Mike McLaughlin, John McCardle, and Jeff Hetzler. So, um, I, there again, like, like you, they, like you said, I never heard of Charlie, you know, but, um, the, the newer crowd probably, probably didn't hear me, you know, but the, the guys that are still racing, you know, um, know who I am. And, um, and and I, I can honestly say one thing. I, you know, I, I feel like I could go up north and walk around the pits. Don't have to dodge anybody. You know what I mean? I I, I didn't. I tried to treat everybody right, and I never stole a loose button from anybody. I always did things right and did everything by the book. And and um, you know, I have no I have no nobody to dodge. You know, um, because you know sometimes it, you know you, you may have to go cross that bridge again. You know. Yeah. So so uh, I always kept that in mind too. I always try to treat people right. Um and uh you know things happen in life and uh everything happens for a reason and whatever it is who the hell knows right but uh but, you know getting inducted into the Dirt Motorsports Hall of Fame was great and uh winning the Papa Joe Hendrick Award that same year in 2008 that happened uh um, Dirt Motorsports Hall of Fame and also won the Papa Joe Hendrick Award and then um and then last year getting inducted to the uh, uh, New York State Stock Car Association was, was was a big deal too so uh um it's great. I mean, it's, 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 it's one thing you're getting old, you know what I mean? When that stuff starts to happen, but you know, I still feel like I got a couple good races left in me though. You know what I mean? So, uh,
0: and I, and I'm sure at some point I, I don't think you're done yet. And I think we'll, we'll definitely see you up this way. And, uh, you'll, you'll make your presence known. I, I don't doubt it at all. Um, you know, what you've been to, you know able to accomplish and the guys you've been able to put in victory lane and, and help out. And, um, you know, I can tell from talking to you for the last hour and a half that yeah, you're not done. You got a lot still stuck in your head yet that you want to get out. So
1: yeah, like right now, I'm just I'm doing this NASCAR thing, you know, and it's a it's a, I think a good living doing it, and uh, um. You know the the cars are coming up to a new new totally new car for next year, so I want to work on staying involved with that, so the technology don't get away from me and, and do this for another year or two, or a couple or whatever. But but still in the back of my mind, I mean, I you know had the right opportunity come along again, I would still like to put the Spotify together. And like I said, I had an opportunity and it just got away from me. Um, Roger Mahan was the fellow. He, uh, he 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 was funding the thing, and uh, he's a uh, you know he he he's um, he took care of. Um, a lot of, a lot of racers for years and, uh, and, uh, you know, he gave me a good opportunity, but, uh, um, I had a, a guy that was helping me kind of got the design away from us and, and it got out of our hand and, and Roger and, you know, we just decided to, um, um, Paul quits, pull the plug on. So, but I still, I still have, I still, um, have a design that I would like to get out there, but, but I wouldn't only, I wouldn't just do it. You know, you gotta have a good driver and you gotta have a, you gotta be able to do the thing right. you know Oh, um, yeah. You got to have so,
0: all the
1: pieces in place. Yeah. I mean, to prove, I mean, you know, you, you know, you, 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 you know, they weren't going to build that battlefield and put the, the guy out of like a grandstand to pick up a hitchhiker on the side of the freeway way and put him in the car. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you got to have, you got, you got to, you got to have the right, all right. You got to have everything, uh, got to have a game plan, right? Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. So, uh, but no, I, I well, I appreciate, uh, it's, it's been great talking to you and great, uh, getting to meet you. And, and, uh, I'm a fan of your, uh, podcast, uh, you know, when, uh, Ken told me about it and I did a little, I said, well, let, you know, what, what's the name? Of it? Let me look at it. And I saw where you had Guler. And I, and I don't know Mike Guler from, you know, he don't know me. I mean, we've never met. I know his dad. Um, you know, I know him. I know what these guys do. Um, there's a lot of guys I know and a lot of guys I don't know. Um, but uh, um, but it's cool.
0: You'll have to keep listening in. And as I bring on different people, I'm sure you'll come across guys you definitely know and, and some you don't. And, uh, you know, the same with my listeners to you if they don't. Know who you are, what you've accomplished. They will now. So, well,
1: uh, yeah. If you would put a little plug out there, I got a Twitter, and my Twitter handle is uh wrench, twister, double zero on Twitter.
0: I uh, will do. We'll do. It's on um, the ep- it's on the episode now, and uh when it gets released, I'll I'll be sure to include that as well. All right.
1: Well, shoot me a, a text or something. You got my number, and let me know when the when it's going to air and stuff like that. And I'll listen and let me know what nights you be air so I can listen to you every week. And and uh, now that I got your number. You got my number. We could haunt each other every now and then. And uh, if I get that next woods, I'll call you. If you ever get down here, you call me, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll uh, take our friendship and build on it.
0: That sounds like a plan, Charlie. Thank you for your time, and uh, wish you the best of luck with the uh, Starcom racing this year.
1: All right, buddy, we're we're gonna give it our hell, so <laughs> see what happens, right? All right, let her eat, man. All right, Thank you, sir. Bye, bye.